You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I am your host, Michael Kushner, and I am so glad you're joining me for another wonderful episode. This episode features the incredible Alana Levine, and before we get into it, I just wanted to say that my book, How to Be a Multi-Hyphenate in the Theater Business, Conversations, Advice, and Tips from Dear Multi-Hyphenate, published by Rutledge Publishing, is out now. I I never thought I was going to finally say that. I feel like I've been talking about the book coming out, coming out, coming out, but it's here, and we had a wonderful uh, book signing at the Drama Bookshop on February 12th, and it was a sold-out uh, event, which was incredible. And so many people are tagging their selfies and their pictures of the book on social media, so if you got your copy, tag me on Instagram or wherever, at the Michael Kushner or at Dear Multi-Hyphenate, and uh, let me know you got it, and I hope you enjoy it. I'm really proud of it, and I, I just, you know, I hope whoever, whoever reads it learns one thing, you know? Uh, it's a grab bag of tools of how to be a multi-hyphenate in the theater business, and uh, one way does not equal the only way. So if you see something that you like for one instance, use it. And if you don't like something for something else, then don't use it. That's the industry, you know? I think so many people think that there are so many different that there's only one that there's only one way to do the industry, but there's so many ways. There's so many ways to do the industry. So um I hope you know, if you're feeling stuck or new or 20 years in the industry, but need of refresher check out the book see what you can pick up see what you can learn and um, I hope you enjoy it so the book is available at the drama bookshop uh, but you can get it on Amazon you can get it at on the Rutledge publishing website you can get it online at Barnes and Noble there'll be other places to announce where it's being sold um, I'm waiting on that information but sales are doing really well <laughs> which I'm really happy with. Um, so, you know, I had a little bit of that opening night mentality when the book came out being like, is anyone going to read this? Is anyone there? Is anyone in the audience? But people are there, which I'm really happy about. So thank you. 
and I want to thank my, you know, my team, um, Edge Management for being so supportive, my press rep, Ryan Rattel of RRR Creative, and my social media manager, Jenna Lee Miller. Everyone has been so fantastic. And my publishers, uh, Stacy and Lucia at um, Rutledge Publishing. I'm honored that you all are working with me, and I'm also making personal appearances um, soon. So uh, I'm going to cities like D.C., Boston, Philadelphia, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and Raleigh, to name a few. So if you want me at your college or if you want me... um, at your bookstore or somewhere, l- let me know. Drop me a message. Email me at dearmultihyphenate at gmail.com or um, write me on social media. Um, and we'll we'll figure something out. Anyway, buy the book. Enjoy it. Change your life. Do it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the episode. I have the incredible Alana Levine here with, with us today. I'm so honored that she... Uh, joined the podcast. Um, Alana Levine is an actress best known for her role as Lucy Van Pelt in the Broadway revival of Your Good Man, Charlie Brown. She also starred on Broadway in Jake's Women, Wrong Mountain, and The Last Night of Ballyhoo, and performed at the Tony Awards. Alana has appeared in many television shows and movies, including the infamous Seinfeld episode, The Contest, Law and Order, Tanner 88, Damages, Tanner and Tanner, Failure to Launch, Friends with Kids, The Nanny Diaries, and Confessions of a Shopaholic, among others. In 2016, she started hosting the podcast Little Known Facts with Alana Levine. Along with Little Known Facts, she also hosts the podcast and the award goes to, hosted by Alana Levine, and How to Be More Chill. She is the host of the Bryant Park Author Series Live from the Reading Room and hosts a celebrity interview series at the Atlantic Theatre Company in New York City. Guests include Ben Stiller, Ted Danson, Isabel Huppert, Duncan Sheik, Mary Steenbergen, and more. She lives in Brooklyn with her husband, Dominic Famusa, and their two children. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, please rate, comment, subscribe, do all that good stuff, and tell your friends, tell your families, and enjoy. Alana Levine. How, yes, Michael Kushner. How are you? <laughs> Those are definitely names of two people who might have gone to Jewish summer camp together. I mean, I feel like I went to Jewish summer camp with you because as soon as I listened to, you know, the Charlie Brown revival cast album, I was like, that is a Jew. That's what does a- that mean? <laughs> just like, I just, I feel like we know, we, we you know. You like Lucy was a Jewish character in Absol- that rendition? Absolutely. Because I, Hilarious. I, I just feel I related to her so much and I don't know. I feel like. I, okay, now this is really, we're going to open up a whole can of worms here. But okay, I feel for it. like some of the best acting is based in Jewish humor and Jewish story and Jewish point of view. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's, I think, what I was picking up on. And that was like your your voice and your choices were choices I could relate to. And, you know, my favorite comedian I mean, I love Mel Brooks, of course. He's the reason for the season. Yeah. But but someone a little lesser known these days, even though he was a massive, you know, recording um, star and, and had number one on the charts for years was Alan Sherman. And um, 
the way his that voice. record was in my house growing up there's nothing better and it's such yeah. a it's such a period piece because i um i listened to uh uh some, uh, my son the celebrity i think is what it is and it's the one with alan yetta and sarah jockman and half a sticks you know uh, half a dozen sticks the up the that album and um right. it's all it's the vocal choices that he makes are so jewish and so brilliant and i feel like that's probably what i picked up with you is it felt like i was listening to something very familiar i was listening to my the women in my family who are my favorite people mm. in the world who I find to be hysterical and brilliant and smart I think that's what I'm trying to say is that when I hear you I feel this is you know why it was so exciting sharing the stage with you is because when I hear your voice when I when I listen to you I feel like home and it feels familiar and I think that's what I'm trying to say in in more of a psychological explanation Right. I get it. I mean, it's so funny. I'm just going to show you something because one of my most prized possessions is this little note. I don't know if you can see it. It's from Mel Brooks, but it's going to be backwards. And it says (gasps) to Alana Levine, my Jewish goddess. And that came out of, I mean, it's so crazy. The reason I have a note from Mel on the producer's opening night stationery is I went to see the show and had that crazy thing where, you know, we're all, Roger Bart and I had done Charlie Brown together. Katie Huffman is a really old friend of mine. Matthew and I had like shared a house in LA together. So I knew so many people in that musical. And when when Matthew Broderick dated Helen Hunt, I lived with Helen. So, I mean, this goes back 1 million years, but the night I saw the producers and we all went out to dinner after at Joe Allen's Katie, my beloved friend was on vocal rest. So she was able to do the show, but she was trying not to speak in between performances. So she had a pad of paper with her sitting on the table. That's the producer's stationery. I know this is a podcast, so no one will have seen the, the photo, you know, the actual autograph thing and that I just shared with you, but, um, Mel and I had a really long conversation about names, right? Like Mel grew up with a different last name than Brooks. And as we were talking about my having kept my name Levine, we had a really long conversation about the difference in the climate of the entertainment world when he was coming up versus when I was coming up. And he was so proud of all of the people in the community who kept their Jewish identities as part of their name. And it was like this incredibly meaningful, beautiful conversation, which at the end of the night, you know, as everyone was leaving, he grabbed that pen and uh, the Sharpie that Katie had because she was writing notes to everyone. And on that stationery wrote me to Alana Levine, my Jewish goddess. And obviously, if like there was a fire, I would grab like my family, my dog and that. (laughs) What else? what else do you need but so to that end I feel like it has been a really you know when you have a certain name and by the way I have friends with the last name Levine who didn't grow up with any Jewishness in their life at all so so the name doesn't always demonstrate a relationship to a religious practice but it does always have a relationship to a cultural 
understanding of how people see you, even if it's not how you see yourself, um, which I think is really interesting. I'm married to Dominic Famusa, and my kids have an Italian last name. So they don't walk through the world with this automatic assumption about them, except that, you know, maybe they speak Italian. So it's just, you know, what's in a name is a really interesting thing. And I love that you sort of identified with Lucy in that way, um, because she comes from a long line of very powerful women. And if it's powerful Jewish women, great. I love the idea that the Van Pelts are Jewish and um, that BD and I represented, you know, that family. Yeah, I, I love the idea of what's in a name and it, you know, it opens up an even broader, this is why I said it's opening up a whole can of worms and it's not, yeah. it's not, not, it's not a bad can of worms. It's just, I think Jew, and with the rise of antisemitism right now and a lot of people, you know, saying um, that Jews run the media, Jews run the media, Jews run show business. It's like, well, you know, Mel's last name is, is Kaminsky, right? That's his, that's the, that's his not stage name, but it's like, if Jews really were in the media, we would not be represented, I think, solely in the way in which we are represented in the media, which is, I mean, mostly stereotypical. And when it is a Jewish story and it's a it's a love story, it's usually the uh, from the perspective of a Jewish woman, it's usually not played by a Jewish actress. Mm. Um, and I know Sarah Silverman talks about this a lot, and I love her podcasts and um she i pretty i pretty much agree with everything sarah silverman says but um you know i i i feel that uh Jew, being being jewish is really special and i'm not religious but i am i love my culture and my culture yeah. is is everything and when i I, I feel I don't know. I just felt like when we hosted the Hanukkah show at Fifty Four Below together, I felt like speaking of, I had met an old friend that I felt like I have known uh, for years. You know, I really appreciate that. I mean, I feel like so I have uh, just been able to play all all sorts of people, um, and I've never actually played a religious Jewish person at all to your point like i or to sarah silverman's point it's like well renee zellweger will do the you know the story of the orthodox woman but but i do <laughs> feel like um by being my authentic self because there's always a moment when you start out of who do you want to emulate and do you want to change your name regardless of whether it's because it sounds specifically like it it will it will limit you or or because you never liked it. I mean, that's what's so fun when you are a grown up. You can do whatever you want. You could change your name. You can you can create who you want to be on your own terms. And I do feel like it is possible that when I first was starting out, that there may have been some roles that I wasn't immediately seen for because of some presumption about who I am or what I would look like. But all I know is by keeping my name which I had had my entire life, I felt authentically myself. So whatever room I walked into, I mean, early on, I played of a lot of Italian people. Like I came up when Marissa Tomei and she and I were in, you know, Naked Angels Theater Company together, which was such 
an incredible start to my career here in New York, where a bunch of us were all part of this theater company. And many of us, um, you know, came to it because either we went to college together or knew someone who knew someone. But all that is to say, my cousin Vinny was like a huge movie. And Marissa doing that particular kind of girl uh, suddenly every sitcom, everyone wanted to recreate, you know, some version of that character. And so if you lived in New York, um, chances are your name could be Smith or Levine or, you know, whatever it was. Um, that was sort of a, a, a girl or a type of person that early on I started to have a lot of opportunities. And I think, you know, the assumption was you're an Italian person, right? Like it, it was some version of, um, someone who had a very, um, very deep connection with their culture, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And, and early on in my career, I did a job with Robert Altman and my character's name was Spinelli. And so, you know, whatever you could create whatever you wanted, but, um, it's been fun playing people who have big families with lots of opinions and passions. It is, it's true. You know, it, I had a second grade teacher named Carol Smith, and she was my one of my favorite teachers. I loved her because um, she used to fly up to New York like once a month and go sit in the audience of the Rosie O'Donnell show. And I was uh -huh. so jealous. Wait, where did you grow up, Michael? I grew up in Fort Lauderdale in Coral Springs. Okay. Okay. So, you know, pretty Jewy, but. Um, but uh, surrounded by incredible cultures, Haitian cultures, Cuban cultures. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I, I actually really loved growing up in Fort Lauderdale because all you had to do is, you know, you just did the jet, the, the jet Jew byway of going into LaGuardia and Palm Beach or Fort Lauderdale. And suddenly, you know, you were in New York. I was at my grandma's in Long Island mm -hmm. um, at North Shore Towers in, you know, Queens, Long Island in, you know, two and a half hours. And, right. uh, um, and she would, I remember she would all, she loved that I talked with my hands. And I used to have a New York accent, even though I grew up in Fort Lauderdale. And in second okay. grade, in second grade, she'd be like, why, why, why are you talking with your hands? And she would do this, like, what is now, uh, I remember she used to, she said this thing in Italian. And I wish I could bring it up to you right now and tell you um, what it was. But it, it definitely wasn't Yiddish. It was more Italian. And that now that you say that the sort of intertwining of what people think is Italian and Jewish is sort of the same at the forefront of their mind, because there are a lot of similarities. But I think that's what's beautiful about all cultures, right, is that family is important. Food is important. Guilt is <laughs> important, is mm -hmm. embedded in so many mm -hmm. different cultures. Music, yeah. humor, speech, uh, I, I, that that's what is so interesting about this time because i think we all just want the same thing and we all just want peace and representation and uh i, I and to be seen and we're all so different but we're so similar and um i think that's what's really interesting about this time right now yeah you know but um i uh yeah, I, I I do feel like we could have been in. I went to French Woods, which is pretty. It, it's pretty Jewish. 
Um, it's a performing arts sleepaway camp. A lot of people, you know, they go stage door, French woods or interlochen. Yeah. Those are like, yeah. the that's the trifecta. But French yeah. woods was awesome because it was, you didn't, if you didn't want to perform, you didn't have to, you could horseback ride and you could make t-shirts, silkscreen, and you could make movies and you could dance and you could do circus. They had the largest children's circus in the world, but it was, um, it was amazing. It was, where did you go? Did you go to Wani? I did. So I did not. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. We talked about this when, so what Michael's referring to is when he says that we got to perform together is recently at 54 Below, he and I got to co-host together this annual Hanukkah show that that 54 Below and the wonderful Jen Sandler has curated now for a couple of years. And basically the, the show is she invited all of these incredible musical theater writers to create basically the the modern Hanukkah songbook. So just to reference when what how we met recently and and why um Judaism would be on your mind in particular in 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 asking me to come on the podcast. I just wanted to share that with you guys. Um I was not a kid who I I went to see Broadway shows. I grew up in New Jersey, so by proximity um, that is how my family celebrated. We got to pick a show and come into New York and have dinner at a place called Mama Leone's that doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Tavern on the Green for unbelievably special occasions um, a few times in my life. But Broadway musicals in particular, but Broadway shows came into my life because my mother just loved theater so much and instilled in all of us, my siblings and I, an unbelievable passion for appreciation and love of that form of, of storytelling. Um, so I did not go to any kind of camp that was, was focused on the performing arts. But I will say that really the reason I have a career is the one camp I did go to, which was like a Y sleepaway camp, um, when I was about nine years old, I had a, my first love. And that first love was in The Sound of Music, and I went to see it, and that's how I first noticed him, and then we became inseparable. And many years later, that first love, who during the year our parents would like drive us back and forth from our little towns in New Jersey to see each other um, for years, and I loved his family, many years later, I was doing um, such an off-Broadway play, like off, 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 off-Broadway play, um, and someone came backstage to see me, and it was my nine, my boyfriend from when I was nine years old. His name is Stephen Hirsch. He became uh, uh, an incredible talent agent, um, but at the time, he was just starting out in his career as an agent, um, and he brought me with him. And so the randomness of like some weird backstage play that he showed up because as a young, diligent new agent, he would go see everything in New York to try to find people. So that's just a crazy in the world of like connections. And, you know, I listened to your podcast and I think so much about the multi-hyphenate idea, which is just finding ways to do what you love to do and in, in, in all sorts of lanes, mm -hmm. um, is also how much as you do what you do, the great luck, which also has to happen, of connecting with people who believe in you um, and want to help you tell your story and you want to help them tell their story. And so I really think like the idea that Stephen Hirsch from that Y summer camp 
to my first series. Like it's literally a direct line, although there were a million little things that happened along the way. First of all, I want to say thank you for backtracking and being like, this is how, this is what Michael's talking about. Cause my fiance yells at me all the time. Like when I'll just start talking about something as if he knows exactly what I'm talking about. He's like, babe, you have to like, what are you, what, <laughs> what are you talking you skip about? skip the first part of the sentence. It's like, it's like the first part of the sentence. You didn't know your mic was on mute. Like there's so much of life and you're like, oh shit, was I on mute? Okay. <laughs> let me backtrack. Let me I backtrack. have an aunt. <laughs> Right. Her name <laughs> is Gail. Right. I know. That's and that's who Gail is. She's my aunt. I know. I know. I, I, get I just it. I just expect everyone to know. <laughs> and it's not that I'm like, it's not about ego. I'm just like, I I think I move at such a fast pace that I'm literally like, oh yeah, but by, by by the way, we did this, we did this, whatever. Anyway, we're we're all on the same right. page. Let's move forward. I, and maybe it didn't even matter, but I just wanted to share with your <laughs> listeners how our love story began in earnest. No, uh, it is it is needed, it is important, it is it is wanted. So thank you for that. Um, but uh I think a huge thing about you know the multi-hyphenate, which for anyone new that's listening, I say is an artist who has multiple proficiencies which cross-pollinate to help flourish professional capabilities uh, or in layman's terms. God term. bless you. I know. Thank you. Because I'm tight. It's been tight. Yeah. Uh, I, in layman's terms, means I do a lot of shit. You know, multi-hyphenates do a mm -hmm. lot of shit. But uh, yeah. there's such a correlation to that because I, 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 what I say all the time with the multi-hyphenate is that there has to be a through line. Like, there are four things, right? If you're going to add a proficiency to your hyphens – like I'm an actor, photographer, producer, writer, podcaster, educator, again, gesundheit. Uh, uh, and um, why, there are four things. Do I get paid for it? Does it bring me joy? Do I have a paper trail? And the fourth thing that's the most important is do they all affect each other? Photography has to affect performance. Performance has to affect producing. Producing has to affect photography, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that through line is a direct correlation to what you're saying about relationships. And relationships is so important to the multi-hyphenate because when we go, all right, who can give me $10,000 for this project? Ah, I know. Because the relationships, these people that when you cultivate relationships with when you're nine years old, 10 years old, Frenchwoods, you know, 15 years old, I call upon my Frenchwoods friends all the time to help fund projects, to cast them in things, to do readings, to come into the studio for a certain thing. And they do the same thing with me because relationships are important. And I think that that is one of the, not just being a multi-hyphenate, but being in this industry is don't burn any bridges. Try not to burn it. It's not impossible. But I mean, it's it's not always po it's not always possible to not burn a bridge, but relationships. Well, sometimes it's necessary to burn a bridge, right? I mean, you can't disguise who you are, what you feel, what you stand up for, what you believe in. I think when we, you know, when we hide behind this idea of well, I don't want to burn a bridge, sometimes sometimes burn the bridge because doing the right thing is often more important and it's really hard in any career right like whether you're working in a toll booth and and you know if you say something to your supervisor then i mean i guess now with mta passes there, there are less with easy pass there are less toll booth operators but you know what i right. mean 
in any job, you have to put food on your table. And so you're constantly weighing, is it okay for me to speak out? And I, and I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir and stating the obvious, but I do feel like in our business in particular, we are always so scared to, or worried that someone will see us as a ruffler of feathers or a diva, or, you know, it really is striking a balance, right? Between being obviously kind to everyone you work with. I mean, that whole thing of like, be nice to everyone on your way up, because you never know if you're going to be coming back down. Like, that's mm -hmm. just being a, a human being, right? The idea that that's something that has to be taught versus like, of course, there is not a single job that is not important on any project. Like nothing happens without the doorman at the theater to the producer writing the checks. Like every single person has to be there for the entire thing using a Broadway show as an example. Like literally there's not one thing that can't, if one doesn't exist, one little thread, then the whole thing falls apart. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think every every opportunity to get to know every single person who does every aspect of the thing you're doing um, is what makes life so interesting. Mm -hmm. So the idea that someone wouldn't automatically do that sort of floors me. Like, really? Like, that's the most, they've got the most interesting stories. Yeah. When, um, when I, when I went back siege of the, the Brooks Atkinson, now the Lena Horn. Um, yeah for six to photograph the cast of six i had uh suzanne teague as my as the press rep that i was working with mm. at the time she represents i love six. her yeah she's so cool yeah and she's wonderful i basically like cornered her being like okay how long have you been with this company what was your first right. broadway show what was your craziest right. experience because i was like what does the press rep do yeah all and of that, it and that's why i have pressed you know so my upcoming book how to be a multi-hyphenate in the theater business conversations advice and tips from your multi-hyphenate published by publishing um Did someone write a book wait a some, minute someone wrote a book and it comes out well we're recording this on what is it january 16th but um yeah comes out on february 10th um that is so exciting michael kushner thank you so much and um it's all about this it's all about multi-hyphenating and how, not only how to multi-hyphenate but the biggest question why why to multi-hyphenate and why you need to what comes out of wanting to tell a story and needing to tell a story why are you telling a story and how multi-hyphenate to me is the only lucrative way of creating art um and a consistent did you lucrative say lucrative way. lucrative and lucrative? consistent yes because but you know i have to say there are also things that you do that in my experience that aren't the thing that maybe make you the most money, but grow your brand, right? So yeah. it's like when you Google someone, there may be many things there and only one of them make the money, but all the other things keep them relevant. So the lucrative part, well, I guess I should read your book because that has been the least successful <laughs> part of my life. I'm like, we take the money job or the one that will make you not, oh, I always choose the wrong, you know, curtain where Vanna White is standing. <laughs> Behind door number three. Nope. Great. 
Um, wah, wah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Double whammy. I feel, no, what you're saying is right on the money. What I like to call it is, is a, it's a dominant proficiency. So my photography is my dominant proficiency, right? Um, that's where, that's where I make my money and I make the money to then be able to produce projects I can be in, or I'm passionate about that. I feel I can change the world or change a community or, um, serve a purpose. And that's what multi-hyphenating is about for me. Um, and I make money off of my other hyphens, right? Like, uh, am I dancing? Oh, dancing, juggling, um, uh what what else do i do all um, the things that you do very well no if you're if you're hiring me for to be a dancer there's something i don't trust you um but <laughs> um jerry mitchell jerry don't Mitch listen to this yeah jerry mitchell i i i, I well I, jerry mitchell will make you a dancer the great thing about jerry mitchell is it doesn't matter he will figure out i mean in my experience talk about non-dancer and he will say to you on day one when when there's an audience in this room no one will think you're a non-dancer so wow. michael kushner you too you too i am a dancer thanks, dance. thanks yes. jerry mitchell um thanks yes. jerry mitchell by way of alana levine uh exactly what so i saw legally blonde on broadway twice in one weekend because i was absolutely i thought it was i still think it's one of the best musicals. thank you it's one of the best musicals you thank you i would also die to see you as paulette all the roles you would be incredible as paulette we need a revival i say i went in for paulette because i knew jerry um from charlie brown obviously he was not yet i mean he was doing broadway bears and all these incredible things but he was not yet um directing his own things and then yeah i i learned ireland Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, so after Charlie Brown, of course, I kept being, I, I went in for Rocky Horror Picture Show. I went in for all these things and, oh. and kept getting down to the wire, but kept doing this thing that I do best because if I were truly a multi-hyphenate, I would be a casting director. I go into every single thing I go in on. I'm like, okay, I feel so like that was the best time I ever had, but you need to cast Daphne Ruben Vega or oh my God, but you're going to see Orfe after me, right? So I am not, I'm not, you know, when you say you're not a dancer, I'm doing Charlie Brown was the most incredible experience of my life, but I'm not a musical theater. That's not what I do. It was this crazy one-off that was the greatest experience of my life. And I, 
I still don't even have the words. Like if I were to write a book, I would have to, that would be my book. Like it would just be about what it was to have never done a musical in my life. And then me starring in a musical on Broadway with all of the greatest musical theater performers of my generation. So leading, let's, let's talk about this because yeah. I, I think what I want. What... Many people will agree. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's I good think that I just did that one. I think you have a great voice. I think that my favorite, I'm sorry, but my favorite musical theater performers are the ones with character. They're the ones that are in, inimitable, inimitable, inimitably, inimitable. Yeah. The things that you go, yeah. when you put on, you go, oh, that's Patty. That's Carol. That's Alana. That's Nell Carter. That's, you know, all the voices that you go. I know who that is. Those are my favorite voices. I'm not. I get, I do. I do believe that that's true. You know, you could say that's Alana. <laughs> I love, and I want people to say that about me. And and I thought that for a long time, but um, you know, but going back to your journey, because this is something that I want all my clients to know, is that like, yeah, you know, you don't have to chase the things that your friends are chasing or the things that your professors told you, you, you know, whatever. Go out for the things that you truly believe in, the stories you want to tell. Create the things that you want to tell. Tap into that multi-hyphenate because then it will lead you in these places where, you know, maybe it wasn't planned, but that was what was supposed to happen. So, you know, I want to talk about your your journey to Lucy because – so you were part of Naked Angels. Now, mm -hmm. Naked Angels, did you have any other responsibilities other than performing or it was just your your track was performing with them? My, my track was performing, but you were welcome to do whatever you wanted. So, so it definitely was an opportunity to produce. Um, so if you had a piece you wanted to do, like absolutely as an actor, but it also meant that you had to build all of the scaffolding around, I mean, literally and figuratively around the production. Um, I was an artistic director of the company for a while. We had co-artistic directors and committees. So, so I learned so much about producing. And then I produced um, this play called Tape. And it was really successful. It ended up happening in New York and L.A. and London. So so for me, I definitely joined as an actress. I got into Naked Angels because randomly I did a summer of summer stop stock at the Berkshire Theater Festival, mm -hmm. which is still a thing. And Michael Greif was also this was the non-equity company. It was the wow. unicorn company. And Michael pre-rent, pre all the things. Uh, directed me in Cloud Nine that summer. And after the summer, he, along with a friend he'd gone to college with, uh, she was a member of Naked Angels. And Christine Nielsen was meant to be in this play. I didn't know her yet, but she, when when dates got changed, the, the play was originally meant to be done one place, and then it got postponed and was being done at Naked Angels. She couldn't do it. So Michael was like, hey, because we had, fallen madly in love over the summer we came like such great friends everyone there um he's like do you want to come do this play at naked angels i had not even heard of them yet i wasn't tuned in to atlantic theater company yet or naked angels or these companies that had been born out of nyu 
kids who had gone to NYU together. So that's how I got in because Michael at the last minute, he's like, my friend Christine can't do it. So I did Machinal, this play at wow. Naked Angels um, with Michael. And that was the beginning of A Few Good Men was playing on Broadway at the time. A bunch of members of the Naked Angels company were in that play. So I met Josh Molina and Jeffrey Knopfs, who wrote Next Fall, uh, also an actor. And just all of these people kind of came into my life um, all at once. And Sarah Jessica and Matthew and, you know, all of them were in the company. Kenny Lonergan, um, who ended up becoming Kenny Lonergan. Right. Uh, uh, you know, just Warren Light and Robbie Bates and Joe Mantello. Um, it was just an incredible group of people who I admired, who really were at that time shaping Broadway. Um, so it was it was a remarkable, remarkable time. You know, you you bring up so many incredible points, and it, what I was saying before about the book, it was the way that I set it up, is that. At the beginning of every chapter, there's something called a career connection, and right. I tr and I try to center a different career in the theater that we don't know as much about. So, mm -hmm. I have a whole thing about press reps where I've interviewed you know a few press reps, and it centers yeah. press reps. So someone reading it might be like, "I want to be a press rep," and they yeah. didn't know about that. I also have another career connection, and then it's the chapter, and then it's the exercise, and then it's um. And then it's a transcript of a podcast episode that I had on Dear Multi-Hyphenate uh, that correlates to the lesson of the chapter. So they're, each chapter is like four parts. That's so cool. I'm yeah. really excited. But Of course. I can't wait to read it. Thanks. But one um, book signing February 12th at Drama Bookshop. Um, okay. But uh, one um, uh, career connection that I also have is about incubators. And mm. – uh, you know, I just had Stephen Adley Gerges on the podcast, and um, he was talking about hit uh, the Labyrinth Theater Lab Company. Labyrinth yeah. Theater Company, yeah, and about how that cults that cultivates multi hyphenates, and how musical theater, which I was a part of, I'm a founding member of, cult you know brought Strange Loop to Broadway, and also right. um, brought White Girl in Danger, which is Michael R. Jackson's next show through the pipeline. Can't wait, Can't wait. Yeah. and um. They call these are experiences that cultivate the multi hyphenate. And based on what you're telling me, the fact that you could be an actor, but you could be a producer, but you could be a an artistic director, which is one of your responsibilities, people are like, how do I start being a multi hyphenate? That or that's that doesn't. I've had people be like, that's not real. That doesn't happen. You have to pick one thing. Right. And I'm like, look right. at these experiences. This wasn't yeah. yesterday. This was right. a few years ago. Look at Mel Brooks. <laughs> who's yeah, this is this is decades. I mean, not yesterday. But by the way, just the full circle of it, Michael Mayer saw me in that play at Naked Angels that Michael directed me in. It was not a musical, but I played a character that there was something about the essence of her that he asked Jay Binder to bring me in for Charlie Brown. Jay was the, who uh, recently passed away, mm -hmm. magnificent casting director who cast me in every Broadway show I did. Like talk about having this remarkable fan in your corner who had power to help move things forward for you. But I said, no, I was like, oh my God, tell them, thank you so much. I, I don't do musicals. And and my agents were like, Jay, Jay knows your resume. He he understands there's not a single musical 
on your resume, but Michael has asked to see you and Jay feels like you can do it. Like just mm. come in. They, they know who you are. It's not like you have fibbed in any way and created some illusion mm -hmm. about who you are. But had I not like done summer stock with Michael Greif, if Christine Nielsen had not dropped out, if I hadn't gotten into that play, if Michael hadn't remembered me from this thing, mayor seven years prior, that was such a, joyous time for me but not something I thought was like a career mover um like that's you know well that's in the world of like just say yes to everything that doesn't harm you or anybody else right like that's just like of course I think but anyway no yeah. you bring up incredible points it's you know it's part of the relationship it's the it's the string of that connection it, it that's what it's about but showing up it's a huge um it is a huge aspect of being who we are as artists, being like, okay, fine, I'll show up, I'll see what happens, and we'll take it from there. And they're saying yes is extremely important, and saying no is just as important, knowing yeah, our boundaries. It feels, and... Feeling your gut, like trusting your gut. But that was hard. Like Naked Angels, most of them had all gone to school together. So, it, you know, I came in in this last-minute way and – um, it, it, it really is like a testament to if you do, if you work really hard and, and also the luck of being really right for something, people are like, oh, wait, we thought membership was closed, but wait, wait a minute. This is not so fast. Like this is a fresh new idea. Um, so yeah, that was, that's the lucky part too. But also we didn't have YouTube, you know, when I think about like, the, there was no way to get work out into the world with the kind of expedited, you know, pace that people can do it now. Um, so really when like people say, how do you start? Like that company grew out of people just wanting to replace, like let's replace together in a living room. Like that's really, it's that simple and basic. Mm -hmm. um and slowly then someone's like wait my uncle has a space real estate played a big part in the success of that company that probably couldn't happen anymore no one has an uncle with an empty warehouse in chelsea right that that you know a rich uncle who says you can use right. the downstairs now it's like angel thrift shop or something but i'm <laughs> saying at the time you know but there are a million other you know ways to find spaces now that didn't exist so it's all it's all about passion. I was just having that conversation with my fiance today because he's doing a show um, at the Tank, um, which is an off Broadway space in Midtown, and it's like a two, I think the run the show runs for two weeks, and I'm probably not allowed to by the time the episode airs, I'll be able to talk okay. about it. But I don't even know what it's called. Uh, but he booked it. It's very exciting. And it was with a director. And this is more his story to tell, but it was with, you know, the director and the writer are people that love his work. And they said, you know, they called him in basically just being like, we want to hear you. We want to hear you. And those relationships are really important when you start to create a, uh, a, um, a reputation and an impact on people where people go, you know who this is? 
and or we got to write this for this person and you're in that you're in their mind that's how so many that's how so many moments happen for people it's just because they showed up they did good work and then they went home <laughs> you know and they continued their lives and they were there yeah. for they were available ready and available for the moment when they were like all right this is it let's do this yeah for sure it's so important it's so important yeah having a life outside of what we do is very very important and you have a family when did you when did you start having a family when as as an actor like what um is that something you wanted is it something you worked yeah. for or tell me about I that really, i didn't work i didn't work for it but i did want it and i and i feel like everything you know for me i had kids in my 30s so you know i have a lot of friends with kids this you know we met because our kids are the same age and they're 10 years younger than me because mm -hmm. they did it in their 20s but i um I really felt like I always, I loved babysitting. Like I loved my, I just love kids so much. And, um, and so it was always something I wanted to do. And I feel really lucky that when I met the person who was a really great fit for me to do it with, I had had like, I had lived in LA and I had had the greatest time ever out there and lived in a house with like, you know, there were five of us and we laughed from, the minute we woke up until the minute we went to sleep um, through our great triumphs and our great non-triumphs mm -hmm. of, of being actors in LA. And um, anyway, LA is a really fun place to be in your 20s. And, uh, and then I came back and I got to do all of these incredible shows on Broadway, thanks to Jay Binder. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then I got cast to do a play at the Kennedy Center where I'd always wanted to work. Um, and cast opposite me was this actor who we had 1 million people in common and how we didn't know each other is just the craziest thing to me. Wow. I had worked with his best friend. I had worked with so many people in his circle. Um, but I don't know. I believe the universe was like making sure I met him at the right time. Mm. Like it would have been wasted five years earlier. I wouldn't have understood like, no, this isn't just like this hot, guy in your play this is your husband father your wow. children like I was ready um and uh and yeah so the timing was incredible and it all happened so fast I mean within a year of working on that play we were engaged and a year after that we were married and a year after that I had Georgia um and for a while, she was so my good luck charm. I thought, oh, now what? Like, how will I work? And there was something about having this baby and being so focused on her that it isn't that I worked hard. I still worked really hard on audition, but I just couldn't wait to get home. Mm. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I, can, I, can I get in there? Like, mm. I need to get out of the room as opposed to how do I stay in the room as long as possible? And I think, oh, my God, I have, like, so many mishaps, you know, nursing and auditioning at the same time. But, but then uh, I had another, I had another baby, uh, like two within two years. And um, I don't know, then I was like, wow, this is so compelling. Like it got harder and harder to want to leave and, and go do a play eight shows a week. Mm -hmm. So you really had to, it had to be something that I just 
you know, would be willing to leave the housework. And the luckiest thing of all is around the time that I had my son, my husband got cast on a series in New York City. Mm. And so the hustle to pay the rent and do every single job and every voiceover and run around town like a chicken without a head. Um, I was really lucky that as our family was growing, we had like stability, financial mm. stability, like and that was Nurse Jackie, this amazing series that ran for a really long time. Mm -hmm. um, so that that was an incredibly lucky, wonderful thing to get to take a breath and get to make decisions based on what I wanted to do versus so many things I did because I had to. That's so beautiful. Uh, I think the industry gets easier when we have things that take us out of it. Um, I think, you know, I have a lot of recent college grads that come into the studio and they want to work so badly. And oftentimes I do question why they want to work. And this is not because I'm judging, but it's because I was there. Do they want to be on Broadway to prove to someone that they that they can make it? Maybe, albeit a not supportive parent or it was a competitive class at their school like what is like where is their need coming from and when that happens the longevity isn't there and it's also like a sign of like for me and this is again from my experience from just an unfulfilled life experience in that moment and i feel like people's art and i feel like people's um approach to the industry becomes a lot more focused and a lot more specific when we have other things that bring us joy and that's why i think multi multi-hyphenating is so important because i get to go i'm in the studio working with these incredible actors creating art with them in this way that does fulfill me i don't i don't need to keep i don't need to keep auditioning for things that i don't want to necessarily be in and that's when not... you say the studio you mean shooting photographs yeah right here yeah, this is my studio right, where you are now yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah shooting uh headshots and portraits and because yeah. i have incredible people i've i've had people that i've been obsessed with for years come to my apartment and just be with me for two hours and 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 i get to help with their careers and vice versa mm -hmm. and i get to talk to them and establish a relationship these are people that i rewound on cast albums growing up that i dreamed one day mm -hmm. I could meet them and i have a relationship with them yeah. and we create in other ways if i'm working on a something i go hey you want to do this i'll pay you this blah 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 and usually people say yes so we create yeah. in other ways too but yeah i think i i i i and this isn't everyone's experience this is my experience that there are things that i just don't have to audition for because i don't want to and other people right. do because they want to and that's right. fine but i don't need to do that and what if i just asked the question and i asked this in the book what if you didn't have to serve tables there are some people that love serving tables and god bless you but what I really if you did by the way i was one of them i love you did, it that you that you loved it love it Oh my God, love it. We'd do it. We'd do it again in a second. Love it. And and that and that's not good weird. at it. And and because you're also probably good at it. So good at it. I'm so good at it. 
and that's not weird at all. There are people that love it, yeah. but but I go for the people that don't want to do it. I go, what if you could? What if you didn't have to do it? You know, what if you didn't have well, to listen, do it? I I mean, you can't predict that your partner is going to get on a series, right? No. Like that, like that's just, you know, whatever that is. But I will say that, you know, on my podcast, what's been really remarkable to me is some of the most successful, you know, Edie Falco and Katie Finner and like two people I admire so much who do very different things and who mm -hmm. are remarkable talents. When I think about like both of those women, part of my conversation with them because I have a podcast also for, for those of you listening. I don't know if you do like an intro at the beginning uh, that lets people know, but I have these podcasts and, and uh, you know, Edie loves being an actress and she never expected to be on a show called The Sopranos. Mm. And she would have continued to do 12 jobs to pay her rent and support you know, her lifestyle, which included eating and having a place to live, mm -hmm. right? Not a highfalutin lifestyle. And also, if there was an opportunity to act, like, incredible, whether that was in community theater or wherever it was. She grew up with a mother who did community theater. She just loved being in and around the theater. Mm -hmm. So her expectation was not to become one of the biggest stars in the world. Her expectation was to be able to feed herself and find ways to tell stories. And Katie had, you know, literally like janitorial jobs. I mean, Katie did wow. 1,000 jobs um, because she wanted to be an artist and she didn't want uh, a career that would keep her from being able to do whatever opportunity there was to be a part of a play or whatever, right? So she did a lot of tasks that didn't demand a nine to five of her so she could just be available for whatever little thing came up. And so when I think about, you know, when you say like, why do you want to do it? I think what I've learned is if you want to be a storyteller, nothing can stop you from being a storyteller. If you want to be famous, that's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. If you want to support yourself telling stories, that's a whole other thing. But if, I mean, I think for me and, and I, kind of fell into this as a as an adult it wasn't something as I said it wasn't something I ever thought about as a younger person um there's no one can stop you from making content no mm -hmm. one can stop you from telling stories if that's what you want to do it just depends on kind of what kind of lifestyle mm -hmm. you want to have and how now let's you know as uh we unfortunately wrap up and I could talk to you for hours um I want to know about your podcasts. You have little known facts and you have, and the award goes to, can you tell me and listeners of this podcast, how they came about, where we can find them? Yeah. I mean, little known facts was really born out of, uh, because I am the age that I am and have been doing this for as long as I've been doing it and had just this feeling that if I could share the unbelievably intimate and real conversations I had in dressing room after dressing room after dressing room. Um, there were so many things that people were sharing that I was like, oh my God, if I had had this when I was starting out, if I had had access to this kind of information about the real, real mm -hmm. of being an artist, um, 
I just would have felt so much better and less alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had been thinking about, you know, you're writing a book. I was like, what, what would that be? Like, how do I, I just remember having this one unbelievable conversation with someone, you know, who a lot of people respect so much thinking, oh my God, how do I, can I tell everyone what you just told me? And literally as I'm musing, I'm like, how do I share these people? My glorious, talented, beautiful friends a friend of mine sort of drunkenly at a party was like, Hey, you should do a podcast. And I have a pod like, like, as I'm thinking, how do I share stories? Somebody invited me to be a, you know, to try podcasting. And this was early days. Like now everyone has a podcast. This was, you know, there was NPR and Mark Marin had sort of, you know, his podcast, but there was not anyway. It was a newer idea. I was not someone who listened to them a lot at the time, but I thought, wow, that that might be the answer to this idea. And literally the next day I bumped into John Slattery, who's an old friend of mine. He's an actor from Mad Men and, and, and many other things. And I was like, hey, I'm going to do a pod. And we we're laughing like, okay, let's do a podcast. <laughs> like we had no idea. But he came into this, my friend's podcast studio, because this is a business my friend was starting. Um, and that was the first episode. And I had no idea um, what would happen beyond that. But because John uh, was so um, kind and generous in his feedback, he he really gave me the confidence to keep doing it. And also because Slattery was the first one to come on, you know, I started with a someone whose reputation preceded him. And so, you know, he told two friends and they told two friends and, you know, that was it. We were off. And it's just been, you know, when you talk about, as we wrap up, if, if you listen to one episode of my Little Known Facts podcast, just as a starting point, if you start with Judith Light, who I don't remember what number she is, but you know, talking about this idea of having a full life outside of what you do. Judith just talks so much about being of service Mm -hmm. and how there is not a single day that you cannot find somewhere, somehow something that you can do to be of service to somebody else. And, And so on those days where you don't have the acting job or the thing that you think is the only thing that can fill you up, I know for me, like, I will spend the day collecting coats and I will bring those coats to some shelter that needs coats. And that's the best day of my year, right? Like it's, it's so automatic and it's so simple. And, and so she has really been, as we know, the most extraordinary advocate of being of service to all kinds of communities, but her story of how she agreed to do a soap opera, even though she thought it was kind of lowbrow, at the time, it turned out to be the greatest job she ever had. And the riches that she gained as an actress, I don't mean financially, but the skills and the on-demand emotion that those kinds of parts expect of you and the amount she had to learn, um, you know, and she became an Emmy winner for the first time because of the most incredible work she did on, you know, As the World Turns or whatever she was on. So anyway, I would say start with Judith on... on um, little known facts. And then during the pandemic, when the Tonys were canceled, the Broadway podcast network, and I started talking about what I could do. And I came up with the Emmy award goes to 
where I just, you know, I think I started with Patty, the poem, speaking of Patty. Um, and we just start each episode where my guest listens back to their Tony Award acceptance speech, most of them for the first time, maybe since the night. Um, and then I just let them go because all that listening to that speech again evokes and provokes for them emotionally makes for the most incredible conversations. Um, so that is called in the award goes to, and I also have a podcast on Broadway podcast network called how to be more chill, which, which was born out of be more chill, the Broadway musical. I love Joe Iconis. I love the creators of that show. And that to me was kind of the beginning of, of how social media and fans can demand, uh, mm -hmm. that a show exist I'm... in a commercial space. And I thought that was a really unique unique story I that broadway hadn't had before i invested in be more chill because of that yeah you there know. you go so you should listen to that podcast it's it's all of you know it's it's so many of the people in the show and then and then people around that show and that's a really fun 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 listen it's, it really is incredible the direction that this industry is going and the fandom and what that can do, you know, bring Beetlejuice back from the dead, literally. Yeah, yeah. You know? crazy. It, it's it, incredible. It is incredible. And I think you're incredible. And uh, again, I could talk to you for hours and we're new friends. Well, how about in real life? Well, how about do... we do that in real life? We don't we need will. to, you know, bore know. our listeners. I know, but I, well, <laughs> I know if, but uh, I I feel like the stuff that we we would talk about when when work people, You're right? You know, You're right? But uh, but we'll also have off the record conversations. Yes, yes. Maybe that's what I mean by bore, meaning yeah. we get in yeah. trouble. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It out loud. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's code. It's code. Wink, wink. We yeah. can ha we can have those conversations, but I frankly would love to work again. So you know, we we'll, you talk, we'll talk about that over. <laughs> Exactly, a mar a martini. But um, where? No, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean trashing people. I mean because it's not out in the world yet of Broadway. No. I don't. Mean <laughs> I meant spoiler alerts. Not no, I know. No. I know. That's not what we would do ever. No, I know. I was just thinking your chain. Okay. Uh, where Where can we find you on social media? I live in Brooklyn. Just come over, everybody. <laughs> just come over. Um. I'll make a lasagna and we'll have a great time. You know what? Podcasts are everywhere on the planet. Like mm -hmm. every platform has every podcast. So wherever you listen to content, uh, you'll find if you're interested, little known facts or, and the award goes to, or how to be more chill. Um, and the Broadway podcast network. I mean, it's just an embarrassment of riches mm -hmm. in terms of if you specifically love Broadway, my, my little known facts is not just Broadway. It's just, really well-known artists in whatever lane they travel in. Um, but as we know, Broadway Podcast Network, Broadway's in the title for a reason. And I love being a part of Broadway Podcast Network. And I, I love being able to bring a different point of view to, you know, the podcast because it doesn't necessarily have to do with it. it it's more, it's a, it's a business podcast. So. Which um, is incredible. It's incredible. It's such a, it's such an incredible Talk about being of service, yeah. Michael. You know, yes. I think sharing that kind of information and, you know, some things can seem so obvious to mm -hmm. us and, and then other people have things that are so obvious to them mm -hmm. that we scratch our heads and go, oh my God, I didn't even think that I could do that. 
I know. So it's a really exciting thing you're doing. When you mentioned preaching to the choir, you know, there are a lot of when I'm within with my with my clients in this in the studio, there are things that I think are universally taught or universally mm -hmm. understood or universally applied. And there are people that do not know what they're right from their left when starting with headshots or with starting with the industry. So while sometimes I feel like, oh, everyone knows this, it's not true. Not everyone yeah. knows it. So And I don't because when I started, I put my headshots in manila envelopes and literally placed them under the agent's door and casting director's door. Like, so I would have, I, I, I'm like, I come from outer space. Like, it's as if I am ET. Like, I would come to your country and be like, you, what do you, you don't have a physical photo that, like, I wouldn't even know how to use the internet to, to communicate with people I don't already know it. So I feel like that's really fascinating to me too. So I can't wait to read your book and just see like how, like backstage for me was a magazine, yeah, right? Like I held it in my hand mm -hmm. and circled the things I was going to go out for. Now that's not how it is. So no. I can't wait to read and learn as well. Thanks, my friend. And I can't wait uh, to continue our friendship and our ways of collaborating. And I just think you're amazing. And thank you so much oh, for being on Dermal Oh my God, Michael, what, a, what an honor to be here today. Bye, sweetheart. Mwah. Mwah. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.